Well, good morning, church. How we doing? Want to wish everyone a happy Mother's Day. This morning, as we get started, as we jump into this conversation coming out of God's Word, I want to, just like last week, begin our time together with some space and with some silence. Again, rather than have me pray for this conversation, I'm going to invite you to pray for this conversation. And the reason that I'm, I'm doing this again this week is that I want to give us some, some breathing space. I recently heard, recently read that the time spent in prayer is less time doing something and more time being with someone. And I love that idea. I love that thought. And so, so this, this space, this silence creates some margin for us to focus on that someone, to focus on God, to allow us to go slow and be thoughtful this morning, to be present to him, to be honest with where we're at this morning and remind ourselves of why we are here. And so on the screens, you'll see those same points, questions that I brought to you last week. And I invite you, as we get started, to make these points, make these questions your own in these next few moments of silence. Let's go ahead and pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. When have you felt like an outsider? When have you been excluded? Do you remember what that felt like? Maybe that's something that happened to you or has happened within recent memory. And so for you to go back and recall that incident is not a stretch at all. But do you remember how that feels? Give me some words. Give me some descriptions. What have you experienced? Isolation. Rejected. Lonely. What's that? Belittled. Give me one more. Depressed and heard something else. Hurt. For me, as, as a shy kid, there were times when, when, when growing up, I, I often felt overlooked. That did not feel good. But let me give you a more recent example. When, when Cindy and I first moved to Uruguay, Our first several weeks, our first several months there felt just absolutely brutal. We were outsiders in the ultimate meaning of what that meant to be. We only knew a handful of North Americans that were there, and they tried to be helpful for us, but honestly, our needs were greater than their capacity to help us. 
When we got to Uruguay, only half our team was actually there. And so, and so um, they tried to do what they could to help us figure out what life looked like or would look like for us in South America. And then when, when our other half of the team arrived into the country, they had some very different ideas than what we had as far as where we should live, where we should put our kid in school. And so honestly, at the end of the day, as they were trying to, to live their own lives, help from our, our teammates was far less than what we had expected. And to the Uruguayans, we were a curiosity at best. And so, so being there as outsiders, we felt totally alone and helpless. It was disorienting. We could not communicate. Even though we had spent almost a year in language school, the kind of Spanish that they speak in, in Uruguay is so totally different that we literally spent the first couple of weeks, the first couple of months, having zero idea what anybody was saying to us. It was frustrating. We, we ended up landing in Uruguay in January, southern hemisphere, middle of the summer, and in, in Uruguay, they actually take their cultural cues from Europe. And so the entire country feels like it is on vacation for the entire summer. And so we needed a real estate agent to help us find a house, and they were all off on extended vacation. Cindy was seven months pregnant, and we had to have a place to bring this baby, Luke, back to. We needed a car, but, but car dealerships there are very different than they are here in the States. Here, you just go down Route 72, and there's dealership after dealership with, with hundreds of cars to select from. There, they have these little mom-and-pop operations scattered throughout the city, maybe have five cars at the most. You almost need a car to find a car. We were overwhelmed because of those experiences and many more like them setting up life in a foreign country where you need everything, a house and furniture, a car, a school for your kid, and you don't speak the language, that's a tall order. And with the pace of life in South America, solutions did not come fast. And I can remember Cindy and I sitting together and we were just sad. We asked the question, why doesn't someone do more to help us? We were, we were absolutely outsiders, and that experience of being on the outside was literally one of the most humbling, one of the most difficult and unsettling experiences in our lives to date. I'm sure that if I could sit and talk to each and every one of you, you too would have stories of, of when you felt excluded when you were an outsider. How that felt to you. Being an outsider is no fun at all. This morning, we're going to further develop an idea that we touched on last week. As we looked at how Philip shares the good news of Jesus with this, this official from Ethiopia. Because the outward expansion of, of the good news of Jesus to the outsider, this is the big picture in the book of Acts. And it's more than just, than just the good news of Jesus expanding in a geographic way from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. There is, is even more happening here. 
In Acts, we see the gospel expand across racial and ethnic and religious and sociological and economic divisions. The gospel pushes through all kinds of boundaries, the kinds of walls that normally divide people. See, if the gospel is anything, it is the inclusion of the excluded. The gospel, the reality of how God has loved you through Jesus beyond your wildest imagination. When our sin had cut us off, we were on the outside of a relationship with God. God himself makes a way for us to come in through Jesus. We see this in Romans 5. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we were outsiders, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. We have been welcomed in. If the gospel is anything, it is love for the outsider. And so so as, as the good news of Jesus pushes outward, we start to see this tension. It is only a matter of time before the, the good news of Christ takes root in, in people's hearts. That, that this early church with its strong Jewish background would rather not be associated with. And so that's what we get this morning in Acts chapter 10, where we see the Holy Spirit working in the heart of someone who has a desire to know God, but needs to know that it is through Jesus that one one comes to God. And at the same time, we see the Holy Spirit working in Peter's heart, challenging him on his perspective of who gets to be an insider. This morning, reading Acts chapter 10 for us is Marilyn Hoffsmith. Marilyn, let's read. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. 
Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. And so for just a little bit of context, it is right after this vision that Peter accepts this invitation from Cornelius to come to his home. And it's there that Peter shares the good news of Jesus. And that gets us to verse 34. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us, whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard heard them speaking in in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. So here is this Roman officer, Cornelius, who needs to hear about Jesus. He's ready to hear about how Christ makes it possible to truly know God. He's ready, and someone simply needs to to tell him about Christ so that Cornelius is able to connect the dots. But unless something miraculous happens here, it is not going to be Peter. The Romans are, are the military oppressors of the Jewish people. It was only nine chapters back in Acts chapter 1 where Peter and his friends are thinking, now that Jesus is back from the dead, that now it's time to run the Romans out. And so the thing that we see here in Acts 10 isn't just that Peter is making friends with the Romans, which is tough enough. But the thing that we see is that this same relationship with Jesus that is now the driving force in Peter's life is now the center of of Peter's life. That same relationship is now being extended to, in Peter's perspective, the ultimate outsider. 
See, here's the thing about Peter's vision. that The Jewish dietary rules had a couple of purposes. Here's an example that I found this week that might be helpful for you. It's kind of like what you hear from your parents, or if you're a mom and dad, what you say to your kids. Stay away from strangers. Does that mean that, that all strangers are out to get you? No. Yet that blanket rule, stay away from strangers, like you get that blanket rule for your safety. When this Hebrew nation was in its infancy, God knew that these people would be tempted to abandon him and to follow the the false gods of their neighbors. So that these Jewish dietary restrictions as a blanket rule put some space between this Hebrew nation and their neighbors. They literally could not eat dinner together. God knew how unfaithful that these people could be and so he put this rule there to protect them. But the Jewish people had taken that idea and twisted it. What was supposed to be, hey Jewish people, why all these rules about food? And the answer to that being, great question, let us tell you about our God. That had had gotten twisted to become, I guess we as Jews are better than our non-Jewish neighbors had gotten twisted to become an obsession with following these external religious roles while totally forgetting about what was happening in their hearts, had gotten twisted to become having a relationship with God belongs to us alone as Jews and to no one else. But with Christ's death, the the way to relationship with God was no longer to be found in keeping the, the rules, the Jewish rules of religious observance but rather the way to relationship with God was through Jesus. And as that salvation took root in in the hearts of all kinds of of different people, it became absolutely critical for the early church to see and to know that God shows no favoritism, that the good news of Jesus is, is open and available to everyone regardless of who they are. This is the point of Peter's vision. We can say it this way, God is telling Peter, don't exclude those who I have included so that they too might find new life in Jesus. So if this is the big idea coming out of this story in Acts chapter 10, for us to make this personal for ourselves, the question becomes, who are we excluding that Jesus is including? Who are you excluding that Jesus is including? If John 3.16 says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, who do we, through our words, our actions, our attitudes, rewrite that verse to say, Okay, everyone but blank. You fill in that blank. Who is that for you? You know how you you identify who that is for you? It's through this question. Now that next slide. Who would upset you if right this moment they would come in through those back doors, come down your aisle, and sit right next to you? Who would that be for you? 
may not come out in your words, may not come out in your actions. Maybe you're able to mask those, but someplace in your gut, you are disturbed that they are here. Who would that be for you? Who is too different? Who is too foreign? Who is too stupid? Who is too sinful? Who is too lazy? Who is too dirty? Who is too messed up? Who is too far gone? Who would you rather ignore? Because the way that you answer this question has everything to do with what God is is telling Peter here in Acts chapter 10. Again, God is telling Peter, don't exclude those who I have included so that they too might find new life in Jesus. Because the reality of the gospel is this, that all people, that everyone is made in God's image, that all people have dignity and value and worth and are people for whom Christ died. That not only dictates that we need to make the gospel available to everyone, but that also means that we need to, as the church of Jesus Christ, stand against all forms of oppression and bigotry and prejudice and hatred that is in our society. Here's how the Gospel Project, which we are using as a resource for this series, here's how the Gospel Project says it. We should consider how this story might be framed in our own contexts. For any number of cultural, political, racial, and social reasons, and that list goes on and on, Christians throughout the history of the church have had to wrestle with the temptation to write off certain people. While the story of Peter and Cornelius might be familiar, we may still be unaware of the way that implicit biases have taken up residence in our own hearts. So like the early church, we're wise to pause, examine our consciences, and ask whether our attitude toward people, especially those who are not like us for racial, economic, or political reasons, again, that list goes on, might be hindering the unity of the body of Christ. It's... A tough question, but one worth pressing into for the sake of a church that knows no favoritism or distinctions for those in Jesus. God challenges Peter's tradition of clean and unclean foods in order to further challenge his perspective of clean and unclean people. Peter learned that God does not show favoritism, but calls his people to proclaim the message of Jesus' death and resurrection to all people to celebrate his work in their lives, and to welcome believers into his family. So if we jump back to our question, who are we, who are you excluding that Jesus is including? The wisdom behind that that quote from the Gospel Project is is that we are wise to pause and to examine our attitudes. In a society that is becoming more and more and more polarized by the day. That is becoming more and more and more us versus them. And you just simply have to turn on your TV to see it. 
for whatever reason, who is an outsider, who is being overlooked that Jesus is inviting you to include? See, it's my prayer for us as a church that we are a people of grace and truth and love to everyone. That we, like Peter, that we step up and we embrace and we welcome and we go to the outsider. It's my prayer that as you, as you answer this question of who this person is for you, that you'll come to, to the very same conclusion that Peter does. That you will see clearly that God shows no favoritism. That the, the good news of Jesus is readily available to all. That when it comes to the gospel, everyone is equally invited in from the outside. Everyone is equally invited to know the new life that only Jesus can offer. Let's pray. Father, this morning, again, thinking of that quote that we just read, may we pause and examine our attitudes. Again, the society around us is becoming more and more polarized. Let us see those who are being overlooked, that we are overlooking, that we would invite them in that we would include them. Open our hearts. Break our hearts for those that we overlook so that all may know that the gospel, this good news of Jesus, is for everyone. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.